I mean, I've seen leadership classes out there. I think you teach some leadership classes. You think classes is the best way to go? You think a mentor would be the best way to go? Yes. All, all of the above, yeah. Yes. The first is, if you don't see yourself as that's a possibility, you won't advocate for it. And so the starting point of this conversation is, should I consider the path from scheduler to director of aviation, VP of aviation, pick a title, as a valid path? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hello and welcome to the Business Aviation Collective podcast sponsored by LD Aviation. Today we get a chance to talk to Don Henderson. He's been uh, with the Van Allen Group now for over 10 years. Some of his previous experience is he was director of aviation for at least 18 years. He was the former chairman of BAMSI and the former chairman of the PDP committee. So he has a ton of knowledge as to how all of those organizations work. And I think the funnest thing we're going to talk about today is leadership and how it pertains to the scheduler dispatcher role. So welcome, Don. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you very much for coming. I'm I'm super excited to talk to you today because um, you're a little bit different type of guest than we've had before because you're not in that scheduling dispatching role, but you have been and helped mentor people into the leadership role. And that's really what I'd like to talk about today as it pertains to schedulers and dispatchers. We, in my experience, oftentimes there are some really great, solid leadership quality people in the scheduling dispatch role, but oftentimes we get overlooked or, uh, you know, because we're not the pilot. So if we could maybe just start out with how, where do we start as a scheduler? What can we do to help get ourselves seen and get the knowledge that we need in order to be able to compete for those leadership positions? So it's not the first time I've been called different. Um, <laughs> so caveat emptor, you know, my perspective oftentimes is not the mainstream of business aviation. Um, I will tell you that oftentimes the things that I may advocate for or offer as consideration are not things you're going to necessarily find in the NBA management guide or in the mainstream conversations. And so I'll always encourage everybody to rent to own. You know, think about what I'm offering, weigh it. Um, some of it you may say is, well, I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think about it. Some of it you may go, well, I think that's wrong. Throw it out. And some of it I'm going to challenge you. And then you may go, I hadn't thought about that way. I think that's very valid. Mm-hmm. And I really want to talk about this idea of, what makes great leadership uh-huh. and what do we really need in the aviation leader role? Perfect. And to do that, you have to talk about what makes great aviation leadership teams. One of the biggest challenges uh, that I see as I bounce from aviation team to aviation team in a very simplistic way, uh, aviation teams oftentimes, though they might not say this, think the company exists so they have airplanes to fly. And the reality is anybody's job, whether it's as a consultant today, whether it's running LD, you know, creating uh, scheduling services for clients, uh, whether it's your doctor, the number one focus we all have is how do we create value for those around us? And so really good aviation teams 
are focused on not what do I think it needs to be, but how do I create value for those that are around me? And what individual spends more time on an aviation team on an hourly by hourly basis, not thinking about themselves, but creating value for everybody else is the person in the scheduling role. They're the ones who everything they do is not about what they want to do. It's about how do I help them accomplish what they need? And so there's a general DNA alignment in this idea that it's not about you. Now, successful aviators, successful technicians in our business oftentimes have that otherness that exists, but no one has it like the scheduler and dispatcher. So if we want to take that idea that really great aviation teams are focused on the organization, really good aviation teams understand how the aviation organization wins in the marketplace. So if you are on an aviation team for a large software developer or energy company, the really good aviation leader knows why your company that you serve wins against its competitors. And so they think about the business strategy. They think about how do we fit in the marketplace, not with aviation, but in the organization we serve. And then how do we use the aviation tools to leverage that win in the marketplace? And so what I've started to outline is the really good aviation leader is focused on business. They're focused on business strategy. They're focused on um, how do we function as an organization? Mm -hmm. Now, I may get, hopefully, well, I guess they can find me on LinkedIn. I may get some hate mail for this. But <laughs> the reality is, is we, we as an industry have, traditionally offered the most senior pilot, the aviation leadership role. Right. And it makes sense. You know, that happened to me. Uh, it happened to many of my peers. It's because we develop a, a huge amount of imputed trust because we're the face of the aviation team. No different than the surgeon who gets promoted to be the hospital administrator because everyone's, what a great surgeon. They'll be a great hospital administrator. But the reality of the things that make me a, a great aviator, or in my case, marginal aviator, but what people make great folks, good aviators, the skill sets are not necessarily what make them good business strategists, right. good business leaders. Mm -hmm. In a simplistic way, my day started at the beginning and ended 14 hours later. Sure. And... What was happening today really did impact tomorrow. And long distance planning for me was, gee, wonder where I have to go next week. <laughs> a business leader is thinking about what do I need to be doing this week, next week, four months from now, six months from now. Yep. As an aviation leader, I pretty much dealt with people that were, look like me in a mirror. Uh, other pilots, other technicians. Sure. In the business world, in cubicle land, as I like to say, people are very, very different. You have yeah. competing priorities. You have competing conversations. You have folks that are solving for different values. Pilots, that's not what we do. Who actually has the skill set of thinking about, I need to be thinking about next week, next month, next year, 
it's a scheduler and dispatcher who's thinking about or having to deal with people of very competing values and competition, who's competing for resources all the time, the schedule and Easter, whether it's people and resources, whether it's time, whether it's, um, uh, you know, just the ability to have access to an aircraft. Mm-hmm. It's the schedule and dispatcher adjudicating that. And so there's some inherent, you know, skills that a really good scheduler develops and gets energy from. Yes, that's translate that translate very quickly into what happens in the corner office of the hangar, so to speak. The challenge is so why don't we see schedulers and dispatchers in their role? Mm-hmm. They're oftentimes seen as, and I'm going to use an old term reflecting my 60 years of age. They're seen as the secretary, you know, the yes. admin role, the less than role. Right. And they're they're oftentimes marginalized as just a person who handles logistics. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge is, is how do you develop credibility? How do you develop the ability to engage in a way that people no longer see you as um, the admin person? Yep, that is, I think, important. Huge. It was funny. I, I had a conversation earlier today. And one of the questions I ask people on a regular basis is, how do you get invited to the table? Mm-hmm. Who do you include at the table? And the people that get invited to your table are the people that you think have the same common goal and vision as you. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at really good aviation teams, the aviation leader and the team members are thinking about the values that are downtown. They're thinking about... How do I create value for the, that organization? And when they use the language and the goals of downtown, mm-hmm. you have a tendency to get invited to the table. Great. It is, unf- I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I would say great. That's a great point. And I really like the point about the language. A lot of it comes down to using the words of the group that you are wanting to be along with. So, <laughs> Yeah. So the, one of the challenges we have is we're an industry where leaders are highly isolated. If you think about the career I have, if I go into business, not aviation, I join a company in my early 20s, maybe I get an MBA, I work in cubicle land, you know, pretty quickly I might be leading a functional team in my 20s, but guess what? Everything I do is seen over the cubicle. I get to watch other leaders. I get Uh to watch, they get to watch me. People that don't have responsibility in my area of responsibility, I have some visibility with. And and over time, hey, have you seen Susie? Have you seen Steve? Uh They're pretty good at what they do. And you get promotions and you may go through five, six, seven, eight job responsibilities in the first 10 to 15 years of your role, leading people that are very different than yourself leading across teams, having a lot of visibility. In aviation, we join these isolated people out at the hangar and we don't get any informal mentoring. We don't get any informal development or formal development. And so if the leader above us doesn't see us as potential leaders, then then nothing's going to happen. And so if you're a scheduler and dispatcher and you go, you know what, I do want to run an aviation team, 
and by the way, you you probably should consider it. Yes, I agree. It's probably not going to happen if the people above you do not see that as a value. Yep. And so it is putting yourself in organizations where leadership is not isolated to a select few. A really good aviation leader looks across his team and goes, hey, do I have a director of maintenance? Do I have a chief pilot? Do I have a lead scheduler? Do I have a person in the risk management role? that potentially has leadership and they develop all of them. And when the opportunity comes for a leadership change, then they pick the person who's most, you know, suited for the role at the time. Mm-hmm. But that scheduler and dispatcher needs to be in that mix. I agree. So I've been kind of rambling for a minute. So as I begin to tease this out, I can see, because what people don't realize is we're looking at each other. Yes. <laughs> we have the benefit of video here. Yep, we do. Is What's running through your mind? What excites you? Because I see some energy as I talk about a few of these things. Well, I think um, you're really talking about stuff that I'm passionate about because I know that not every scheduler might want that position. But I've met lots and lots of schedulers who do want that position and they just don't know how to make it to that next level. I also want to, I kind of believe also there's not a of leaders that are developing their schedulers. I mean, I there are some really great ones out there that are allowing that scheduler to be part of the conversation, but there's a lot of them that are not. And so while I I love the idea, now I'm kind of thinking, how do I get how do we get those schedulers to prove it to those to leadership there that they do deserve a spot at the table? Like what types of classes can we take? I think a lot of it comes down to making yourself heard and known. Like you do have to speak up. You can't wait for your leadership team to say, oh, Joe, I really think that you're doing a good job in this position. Maybe you should be in a leadership position. You have to say, I am interested in leading this team. I would like to either learn from you or I would like to do these items in order to get better. I mean, I've seen leadership classes out there. I think you teach some leadership classes. You think classes is the best way to go? You think a mentor would be the best way to go? Yes. All, all of the above, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I would suggest is a couple things. The first is if you don't see yourself as that's a possibility, you won't advocate for it. And so the starting point of this conversation is Should I consider the path from scheduler to director of aviation, VP of aviation, pick a title as a valid path? Absolutely. Absolutely. The second component is, is what do I do today? Mm -hmm. And the the first part is I've got to realize who I am. Um, There's a self-exploration process in that. Before we got on the podcast, we were talking about some tools we use here at Van Allen for psychometrics, which look at your underlying values, your underlying, uh, how you appear to people when you're in a good place, how you appear to people when you no longer are keeping all the balls juggling in the air, when you're losing it. We talk about emotional intelligence. You know, there's an element of personal preparation. You know, there's a first part is, can I do it? Do I want to do it? The second thing is, who am I as a leader? I went through a phenomenal visioning process a few years ago when I got my MBA And I learned that for me, I don't need to lead teams, but I do need to do one thing. I need to help people have light bulbs. Okay. 
I can lead teams, but it, the most critical thing for me is helping people have light bulbs. And if I help people have light bulbs, that's what serves my purpose. And so the starting point is this self-exploration. Okay. You, know, you and I talked a little bit about your career before we got on the podcast, and clearly you went through that process you know, many years ago as you were a scheduler and dispatcher where you went, well, this isn't all I want. Right. I want to do more. I know I have more skill sets. I have more capability. And you gain some yep. intentionality around it. And so that's what I would suggest is that people, number one, go, okay, I think I want it. Number two, I need to understand who I am. And that can be done on your own. That can be done. I mean, there's an infinite number of tools in the Google world, which will be, help to begin that self-exploration process. Sure. It can be as simple. NBA's got a mentoring program. Yeah, that is you a can, program. You can yep. sign up. I've had people grab me through that. It is finding someone else that you respect. And by the way, I might suggest if you're working in an organization as a scheduler and dispatcher now, Find that business leader within your organization, whether it's a super powerful admin, whether it's a mid-level executive, uh -huh. and you'd be shocked if you reached out to them and said, hey, could I have 45 minutes, you know, once a month, meet you for coffee, and I want to just talk about what I do to develop myself as a leader. Uh -huh. You'd be shocked how many people go, I'd love to do that. Larger Fortune 500 companies oftentimes have formal mentorship programs. And, excuse me. Let's be candid. Most of the scheduler and dispatchers in our our, our industry are women, and so yeah, there are right. a lot a lot of larger companies have programs for women to develop mentorship. Sure. Get involved. Go do it. Find out what your company has. Go. You know engage outside of aviation because if you're going to be an aviation leader really good aviation leaders i can't tell that they're aviation experts because when they're downtown their language behavior and activities and focus look like business leaders not aviation leaders so might as well get mentored from business leaders not aviation leaders i wholeheartedly agree you know that we need to get out of just the aviation box and and learn from the main company, just like you were talking about looking at the the vision of the company that you work with and making sure that you're in alignment with them. And those are all things you can do today. All things you can do today. And then find ways, particularly if you're in a large organization, those individuals that work in smaller aviation teams for high net worth individuals, family offices, yep. you know, may have some challenges with that. Because those offices oftentimes are not very large. They aren't as codified with professional development. But right. it doesn't mean you can't find leaders in the marketplace outside of aviation to receive some mentorship. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you start doing that today. Then the next thing you, you identified was professional development. Uh -huh. um, again, this may be one of the things that my peers in the industry may fire arrows at me for saying. But I strongly recommend business education that is not aviation specific. I think the highest priority for education would be what's called an executive MBA. Okay. If you've if you've not heard of an executive MBA, I encourage you to Google it, uh -huh. and you will find there is a raft of programs. It's different than an MBA. Okay. 
an executive MBA is designed for individuals who are on the leadership track to be high level or senior leaders in an organization. It's designed oftentimes work around work life. It is something that are they're designed to so that you can work full time and do it. They're hard. Okay. All right. But they're t- they're generally taught in a way to teach you to be strategic. Yes, you will learn to do you know financial analysis like any good MBA, but you'll really talk about the why behind the analysis. Okay. If that's not an option for you, then consider an MBA. Uh, so is the executive MBA, is that similar timeline as a regular MBA? So a couple of years type of thing? They're generally designed to be 18 to 24 months. Okay. Um, they're generally designed to be remote or partially remote. Okay. Um, it will be, uh, for example, the one I did, which was at Weatherhead, which is Case Western Reserve. It was on site in Cleveland all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, once a month. Okay. All right. That's a, and, not a bad commitment. Yeah. Actually. So it's a commitment for 18 months, uh-huh. you know, one weekend a month. Now you had coursework the rest of the time. Okay. You know, it, and, and they tell you it's 20 to 40 hours of work a week mm-hmm. of coursework. And yeah, it was 20 to 40 hours work a week. Okay. But your actual commitment to be FaceTime was just one weekend a month. Okay. Whether you go to a program like Case or Clemson or Emory or Booth or, you know, a smaller business school in your backyard that has an executive MBA, they're generally designed in that type of format. Okay. And they're designed to be strategic in a way. What I will also hear a lot of folks saying like, yeah, but I don't have an undergraduate degree. Mm -hmm. How am I going to get an MBA? I don't have time to go back and do an undergraduate degree. I don't have an undergraduate degree. I'm a college dropout. I had a 0.23 GPA my first semester. Thank goodness. Okay. You have to work really hard to have a 0.23 GPA. I did that without any alcohol, by the way. Yeah, I did that. That was completely sober. Um, But I'm a good racquetball player and a good skier because of it. Um, Because I had six racquetball courts at one end of my dorm and a ski slope at the other end of my dorm. You had had some skills, some skills at the end of that then. That's great. but for me, think about it. I ended up as a director of aviation with no undergraduate degree, feeling like an imposter, uh-huh. yet having to function in the business world. And and I was fortunate to have some folks encourage and mentor me. And I went and did an executive MBA. Now, it's not the normal track. But most of the really good business schools uh-huh. will take individuals and do executive MBA programs without an undergraduate degree based on life experience. Now, I had to take the GRE that no one else in my class had to take, but, and I had to interview with a whole bunch of professors, but a lot of the really good business schools Mm -hmm. understand that there is value in the experience you've had, Mm -hmm. and they will look at a student on a case-by-case basis. So, don't consider the fact you don't have an undergraduate degree, particularly if you've been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years, Mm -hmm. that it's a limitation. You can consider it. That's a really good point. I did not know that that was available. And I think that, um, I mean, it also points out to how committed you were to it as well, because you obviously ferreted out the the fact that that was available and you went down that path of taking that GRE. And and like you said, you had to talk to an instructor. So you knew that's what you wanted to do. That's cool. Yeah. And 
it's funny. I ran into an executive I was working with on a consulting project recently. And, you know, the aviation team reported to him and it comes out that he doesn't have an undergraduate degree. And, and he was t- telling me that he was limited in his career advancement in this organization because he didn't have an MBA. Mm-hmm. And so I share my story with him. He goes, I've never heard of that. And so I did an introduction with him and the local business school because we had a connection. He's in the program. He's probably right now a year into his executive MBA. Well, and, and they take one person a year, one every other year. I mean, it's not the mainstream. Sure. But you only need one. That's right. You only need Wait. one. And I will tell you that when you go to a business school and you start talking about what we do in aviation and who we work with and who we serve, yep. it looks different. It, it gets a conversation. All right. But but so we talked about the executive MBA, but you know, a, a normal MBA, mm-hmm. you know, is not a bad choice. It teaches okay. you, you recently hired uh, an individual in your organization, Tracy. Yep. Were you an MBA? Absolutely a brilliant MBA. Business-minded, sharp, thinks like downtown. Absolutely yep. thinks like downtown. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what we love for. So, so you get your MBA. But then I'm also going to suggest that that going and finding out in your organization what other professional development they offer within your organization, do that. If they don't offer that, go to your local community college, go to your local college. Even if you're auditing a class, don't even receive a certificate, mm-hmm. but you gain the skill sets. Yep. It's beneficial. And, and then you could even use MBAA. They have classes. If you're a member, there's some online classes they have. You have access to. They have the scholarships. I'm always trying to plug those scholarships. I mean, there's a there's a lot of money and scholarships not only in MBAA but in women in aviation and the helicopter pilot association. All of those have ways to get at least access to funds for that. Women in aviation recently has a partnership now with Harvard. And I just noticed they're doing a professional development program. Explore it. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, in our in our industry, we have really two major executive edge uh, education programs. The first is, and most people have heard about it, Darden, which is offered by University of Virginia. Excellent yes. program. It's been around for 105 years, longer than aviation. I don't think so, but. It's been around for a really long time. They've got three core classes in it now, uh, leading the aviation function, managing the corporate aviation function, and a change management class. Okay. Each are four or five days long on site in uh, at uh, the University of Virginia. Solid business education. Okay. Really, really good. I did those back in the, the 90s. Fundamentally shifted my perspective. It really did. Um, I will tell you, and this is a little bit of a plug, we offer aviation leadership class at uh, the Business School for Georgia State here in Atlanta, and it's different than Darden. I recommend you do both. We do something okay. different. Darden is is what I would call more tactical okay. uh, skills. Um, it's you kind of you know it's got a high application. Uh, here's the warning. At Georgia State, if you come to, to uh, the Robson School of Business, we may climb into your soul a little bit. <laughs> okay. We, we talk about who you are as a leader. We talk about 
what are the leadership skills you have? What are your derailers? Um, how do you really set yourself up for success and your team for success? We've had about 200, a little over 250 people do this class over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing that I love about the program at uh, Robinson. Probably no more than a third of the class are pilots. Oh, really? Okay. So, cool. so we have we have managed with this class. There's a number of great organizations that support us. Solaris and Jet Aviation uses this as part of their development program. Nice. And they've been really strong supporters over the years. But another large aviation teams also use this as part of their standard professional development across their whole team. So you will not be the only scheduler in the class. You would generally not be the only woman in the class. Now, women still make up a small portion of our yeah. population, but we've got technicians in there. We've got folks from MROs. We've got folks from FBOs. It's not just the pilots in the room. And we do climb into that business strategy. How do you figure out how to run an aviation team mm -hmm. within the strategy of the organization you serve? Um, so it's, it's a very different model. So when is a um, couple questions just on that? When's your next class? Is it in person, all of it? And how long is it? So I want to say next class is middle of September. I don't have the dates in front of me. Okay. Um, but if you go to, if you just Google uh, okay. Georgia State Aviation Leadership, you'll go right to the, the website. It's four and a half days long offered here in Atlanta. Uh, we teach that class twice a year. It has okay. enough demand that we teach it twice a year. Class sizes are anywhere from 17 to 25. Okay. And you'll have fun. If you can find someone who's done it, Jonah, they would tell you, you will have fun. Great. All right. Well, for those of you that are, listening, that are listening, I'll go ahead and post the link to it in the notes below so you can have access to that. And I'll do that one for the Darden one as well. Cool. Okay. Cool. That's great. Those are the, those are the two main avenues. And, and one of the challenges that we have in aviation and we've seen this really, particularly post-pandemic, is you may notice we're short of people. Yeah. And so professional development is always kind of an add-on, not seen as a core responsibility. And so if you're the only scheduler in a flight department, how do you go away and do professional development? All right. So we'll make a, just a, a blatant plug for LD. Right. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have them as a, as a backup. But – Yes. The, the reality is, is that if you don't begin to advocate for yourself mm -hmm. and advocate in your own professional development and advocating your performance plan, and so it's time for year-end reviews, rather than to write in there, I'm going to answer all phone calls within <laughs> three minutes of the phone ringing and have an error rate. I mean, I'm being a little bit facetious. Write in there, I have a goal to prepare myself to be in aviation leadership in the next seven years. Here are the eight things I'm going to do to accomplish that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to identify another aviation leader for a mentor. I'm going to identify a business leader that's outside the aviation circle. I'm going to meet with them quarterly. I'm going to meet with them monthly. I'm going to, you know, do Darden. I'm going to do Georgia State. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a class on business analytics. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to develop metrics for my role. You know, I'm going to start thinking about what KPIs mean. Um, I'm going to think about my yes. business as a business, what I do as a business. And as you I begin think that, I would, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just think that's a big note for me. Think of your organization and you as a business. 
what can you do to make this business run correctly? When I'm looking and hiring my people and you've got maybe an interest in finance, it could be really any passion that you have. And if you take that and apply that towards how does that help my business, that is hands down like it's just a huge quality that I look for. And I'm a small team, but big teams look for that also. Absolutely. It, you know, probably two conference calls a week in the consulting world. I'm looking at an executive. There's not an aviation going. The best aviation teams, when I talk to them, the language and how they think looks like downtown. Okay. And they think like business leaders. They run the aviation operation like it's a business unit. That's a critical skill set. Um, yeah. Look for opportunities within the organization. Even if you're in a small family office uh-huh. and the family office is seven people, nothing right. hurts to say, hey, I'd like to be involved in any cross-functional projects you have. You know, right. what, what can I do to help? It doesn't have to be aviation. Look for the ability to build your skill sets and perspective outside the hangar. Um, that will play out for you in the long term. Because you probably already have the skill sets in communication. You have the multitasking skills. You've got the organization skills that most of his pilots lack. Technicians are usually really good about organization. And so, you know, you don't need to really work on your functional skills. It's the business strategy. It really is the business strategy role. Yeah. Maybe I'll just add in another idea too. We. I got this idea from another uh, gentleman, Barry, but he does, they read a book within their group and then they discuss it on a weekly or biweekly um, basis. And we just started that at LD. So we picked out a book. And so I'm not saying that you have to start a book club at your office or whatever, but even if you maybe aren't ready to have that reach out to somebody in your in, in your main business and get a mentor, or maybe you're not ready to do Darden or something, there's books that you can read. At least start, you know, every step forward gets you closer to that goal. And if it's, even if it's just one book or a couple chapters a week, it's moving you forward. Yeah, it is. The starting point is, do you want to do it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then taking yep. action. Yep. It's absolutely taking action. I think that that my view, and I will probably unfortunately be long off this planet when this happens, is that when we look at whoever serves in the aviation leadership function 30 years from now, 40 years from now, it came from all elements of the aviation team. It yes. was based on who was a great leader, not what their technical role was. I love it. Yeah. I, I hope that's what's happening. And we are seeing that a little bit more. We we can see that there's a couple of scheduler dispatcher positions that have risen to director of aviation levels there. So it's starting to happen. I think not sometimes, yes, no, not, not the norm. I think as a scheduler, sometimes you have to not be afraid to move on to a different job or a different organization that might have more openness to that type of a, of a move into leadership. I know I had a great job and I was really, I was really nervous to move it. And I found an even better job that I loved because it gave me some access to more education. And anyway, I would like schedulers oftentimes stick with their organization, which is very cool and stuff. But at the same time, if you want more, 
maybe it's maybe it is time to find another leadership group that might be able to value those skills a little bit better. I have a, I work with a, a high net worth individual, the family office. It's a, it's a name that everybody would know. And I started meeting with this executive to whom the aviation function reports. Now this executive manages uh, um, aviation. It manages all the household, all the houses across the world it manages the current yacht. They manage the yacht build that's going on right now of the second boat. They manage all the, the I believe, philanthropic activity. So anything that's personal on this person's plate, yep. reports to this individual, they report to a CEO of the family office. Okay. And it had some impressive conversations with this individual, multiple meetings. It wasn't until months into the relationship that I found out that she used to be the flight attendant in a different organization and developed a business strategy and moved into business management. Mm -hmm. And so I had this aviation understanding, but had a whole different thing. And then I suddenly realized that the other half of the family office, folks that manage this high net worth individuals, business calendar and all his business, the chief of staff for his business activities. Mm-hmm was the former scheduler and dispatcher of the aviation team. Huh? All right, cool. So, you know, while that's a unique story, this was really three individuals in the family office that started in our world, but mm-hmm. they have skill sets they can go anywhere with. Absolutely anywhere with. That is a really, that's really cool. Very good example of knowing if you want to be in leadership, and um, then that leadership skills. So maybe it's not the director of aviation that you're going to end up. Maybe it's like you said, it's a CEO of something. Yeah. And now the flight department reports to you. Yeah. Aim high. That's awesome. It, it is. But it, what it means is, and this, this really goes back to your other comment, you got to take a risk and you may have to leave the hangar. Yes. Yep. You may have to leave the hangar. And go, you know what? I'm going to go back into the corporation. I'm going to look for an opportunity. Maybe it's a team leadership job. Uh-huh. Nothing says you can't come back to the hangar later. True. Yep. So you go downtown, you take a leadership role. It's interesting. I had a, um, a young lady, beginning of my career, and she worked for uh, us as an entry-level scheduler and dispatcher. Uh-huh. And super great. She was working on her MBA while she was there, <clears throat> loved aviation, then took a job inside the corporation. She became one of our senior, at a Fortune 500 company, she became one of our senior technology people, left there and became the CIO, the chief information officer for a large Fortune 500 company. And, you know, but she didn't see her role as just aviation. Now she, I guarantee you, if she ends up at a company, that has an aviation function, mm-hmm. she's going to end up as the executive from aviation reports. That's great. That's wonderful. You know, does that kind of correlates? I don't know. Maybe this is a stretch, but you know, when you're sometimes parents, moms take time off when their babies are born and then they go back into the industry and they're like, I don't have any, you know, work history, but you really do. You've been doing all of these things, managing the household. I feel like some of that is kind of a scheduler. You have all of these things that you're doing 
that actually does pertain to a ton of different roles outside aviation, in leadership, all that stuff. Sometimes we just maybe don't recognize that. We don't see it and learn to tell your story. Mm -hmm. Learn to tell your story. I mean, the reality is if I look at our family, we had three kids, three kids in diapers. If I script and I was a flying pilot, so you guys know how much I was home or not home. (laughs) If I look at my wife's role, you know, and I take away the fact that it said mom of young children at the time and said, you know, manages, you know, complex, you know, schedules, manages all these other things. These are directly relatable. You know, I had a child with developmental needs. Mm -hmm. Um, I guarantee you her ability to research, get involved, and advocate for one of our children, our skill sets are addressed directly translatable to the workforce. Absolutely directly translatable to the workforce. Yeah. But we tend to think of it as less than. It's not less than. It's not. It's just not less than. No. Sure is it. Well, Don. Thank you so much for all your time today. That's been awesome. If somebody did perhaps want to reach out to you, is there a spot? Uh, can we find you on LinkedIn? You can find me on LinkedIn and certainly www.vanallen.com. It'll get you there also. And I'm always happy. I can't do 10 conversations a week, but I'm always happy to field questions. Send me a note on on LinkedIn and I'll be happy to to capture any and and happy to introduce you to people that have been successful at it too. Awesome. What a great offer. All right. Well, thank you again so much for your time, Don, and look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes and check out our website for up and coming podcasts. This has been a production of the Business Aviation Collective sponsored by LD Aviation.